As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Okay, all right. Ken, we've got, um, it looks like it's called Followed by the Speakers uh, in the Room, Cade and Gideon, and then others in the room, Dylan and Melissa. Yeah, Um, what's up? how, How do we let them in so that we can hear them? So what they'll do is they'll raise their hand or whatever if somebody wants to talk. They just raise their hand and everything, and and then uh, we can call on them or not. We have a choice. We're kind of in charge here, but. Very formal. That's that's scary. (laughs) That's how Clubhouse works. So, you know what? I would expect that Cade, Gideon, Dylan, and Melissa all just dropped off the call upon hearing that. I would have. (laughs) I would have. Yeah. (laughs) You know, okay, so this is uh, a, a. kind of an extension of my podcast here and you know you guys have been on it before and and i really love the fact that uh we have this platform here and it's it it's kind of a a different thing where we can have interactive type of podcasts that type of thing and it's um it's just a great platform and so has everybody been on clubhouse a little bit we have. You and I did one of uh, – we simultaneously did a podcast for Between the Fur in the traditional sense, and then we did – it. we had po- a clubhouse on at the same time. Yeah. So as yeah. opposed to people just listening and consuming, they can actually participate and, uh, you know, call bullshit or ask questions or whatever as we go. Right. 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 And so what this podcast or uh, name of this one, that what I, what I, the subject of this one is, um, you know, cute as death, Robert, you and I were talking the other day and, you know, that was a quote that you, you, you said that, uh, I thought, you know what, that's perfect for what I want to talk about today. So yeah. it's, yeah, it, you know, and cute is death and it, it goes across the board. I mean, especially with, you know, in our business as uh, professional mascots and, and all that. <laughs> Melissa, I don't know if you know this. It looks like Rob's jumping on, Ray's jumping on. Yeah, this is mainly like professional mascots jumping on here and uh, people that want to be uh, professional mascots, people that want to uh, learn more about what we do, why we do, uh, that type of thing. And also it's, it's going to help us encourage uh, I- I- each other. You know, I-, I also, I really think that the more I help, the more I learn and the more I grow. So I'm here to help. And uh, I think that's across the board what a lot of these guys um, in this in this realm uh, are like. Am I right? Yeah. I'm, you want to pick it up? That was very deep, Kenny. Very deep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, so 
<laughs> Do you want to pick it up with uh, with uh, what we were talking the other day uh, yeah. about yeah. how yeah. and and let the me... story behind Judas' death or what? Yeah, let me let me just preface uh the, or let me just add one thing here so if you guys want to and if you're new to this a lot of these mascots are are uh you know not tech savvy especially the older farts um let me just say that hey down in the bottom there you're gonna uh be able to raise your hand and uh and speak if you want to if you want to chime in on something raise your hand we'll bring you up on stage so yeah um and I might even uh, give you, I might even ask you to come up on stage. So um, at some point, but yeah, uh, John, we talked about that as well too, before we get on here. Cute as death. What do you mean by that, Robert? Um, I believe we were talking about it because when I first came into the league, uh, in the NBA in 1995, I didn't know how the hell to do a skit. Um, you know, skits were not part of my re- repertoire as a, uh, uh, college mascot. You know, mostly I just worked the crowd or did stuff with the cheerleaders and threw out some shirts and, uh, messed with people was the biggest thing in the audience, uh, which is, I, I always loved doing. It was always my favorite part of the job, even until when I left the Rockets. But, you know, I tried a few skits and it was like, the, the skit was, you know, Nirvana was a big band back then. And it was, hey, let's put on a plaid shirt on the, the, the costume, over the costume, UD, the Blue Hen, the University of Delaware, and a fake wig. And I'll go out with an electric guitar that I didn't even have the sense to faux plug into anything, like with a wire. It was literally just an electric guitar. And... uh they played Smells Like Teen Spirit and I would rock around and act like I was playing the chords. And in my mind, that was a skit. And there was no beginning, no middle, no end, no punchline, and no laugh. And when I got to the NBA, you know, it was an expectation that, you you know, you do skits occasionally. Um, it ended up being, you know, several times a game, years deep, but, I, you know, I remember first skit that I did, you know, in the NBA was I planted somebody courtside next to our, our uh, you know, one of the courtside, I think it was our owner, actually. And he had a uh, Heat jersey on that was a tearaway and a sign that said, go Heat. And the extent of the skit was walk up, see him, tear the sign up, and then pull the, the jersey off. And that was it. Um and, you know, dressing up your character and theming it for holidays or special events or whatever is fine. It's cute. But, you know, cute as death is like, I, I think I kind of said that because it's like, you know, you can hear a pin drop <laughs> when it's cute. And you're just being, uh, oh, isn't that sweet for the kids? Uh, you really, the art and the craft is figuring out how to do stuff that is edgy enough that is either some derivative of sex or violence, to be honest, you know, it's suggestive in somehow, or it's violent in somehow we call it slapstick, but that gets and elicits a huge laugh out of the crowd, but hits the kids on a different level so that they don't get it. 
uh, kind of like a lot of the DreamWorks and Pixar Entertainment and, and, you know, the animated features these days. And, you know, there's a degree of risk in that. And I, I feel like the, the business has gotten away from it now that video boards are, are king and things can all be pre-produced. Uh, the era, I think, Kenny, you and I were talking about doing edgy stuff, but off the cuff, literally improvising and not being cute being aggressive um, and somewhat suggestive at time, whether you're following the pretty girl around the arena entranced like a, a, a zombie uh, or not, you know, you're being edgy uh, and the cute stuff just didn't, doesn't make the 35 to 55 year old male laugh that is driving the ticket purchase. Um, and then the last thing, and I'll yield the floor I'll say on the issue is it always seemed like it was a tension and a push and pull between management. And Jerry Burrell pointed out to me one time something very, I thought Jerry Burrell was turbo for the Rockets for 12 years, still continues to perform as uh, a, a, in Acro Dunk and um, Dunk USA around the world. Um, but he pointed out to me something that rang true. He said, when you do a great skit that is not cute, that pushes the envelope and gets a whole bunch of, you know, a, a guffaw or a laugh, who gets all the credit? And his point was, you get the credit. Everybody in that audience thinks, what a great mascot. What a funny character. What a good concept. What a good writer. What a good, you know, uh, performer. Uh, it's not your boss. Nobody's coming up to your boss slapping him on the back saying, awesome job, man. You really know how to manage that mascot. So I think part of it is, you know, our interests are in line, but they're not completely rewarded in line. Uh, and when we get a complaint, who feels the brunt of it? You know, one of the most frustrating things a mascot at a high level, I think, deals with is the, you know, you do the successful bit where 18,000 people roar with laughter but you get two complaints the next day and then somebody tells you to never do that again. And you're just utterly befuddled and say, we don't manage the rest of our business that way. If one person complains about the bathrooms or the parking or the, the concessions and everybody else is happy with it, we don't go changing our business. We'd be running around in 10 different directions all the time. But it seems like we're a little bit more lightning rods to that effect. So um, I just thought it was interesting that Jerry pointed that out. And the answer was, every time you succeed, do your best to diffuse the credit to all the other that play, people that played a part in it. You know, whether it be your boss, the announcer, the music guy, the video department, um, the, the game ops director that allowed you the inventory in the first place. Uh, so it, it's it's a complex issue. It's different team to team, market to market. The threshold for what's quote unquote acceptable or where the line is seems to be different uh, city to city, and also what is developed over time. Obviously, John's on this call, and a lot of the stuff he did with Dynamite <laughs> over the years. Uh, I would, if I uttered the word dynamite <laughs> at the Houston Rockets, they would have been like, 
maybe it's time to dynamite you out of this organization. <laughs> so I'll, I'll yield the floor and let others contribute. Uh, you know, what do you guys think? Um, I don't know. Who, who wants to go? Ken, can I go? Yeah, go for it. Please. No, it, Rob, I agree with you, but I, but I honestly, I, I don't think it's a kiss of death because I think in some situations it works. Cause like you look at the coyote, I've always looked at the coyote, me and him, and you too, Rob. The coyote and then your character and my character, I mean, the coyote's completely opposite. He was that cute character. He was the slapstick mascot that, you know, oh, that's a, it's, it's a cute skit. Never hurt anybody, just the nice mascot. And he was, he is successful as hell. You know, everybody knows a coyote. So I just feel that, I, you know, uh, I don't think there's one right way to ever mascot, I just think that, um, you know, it, you could be a cute mascot and an aggressive mascot, uh, either together or one of each. You just need to be able to figure out a way to, uh, find a relationship with the crowd. But I think it, you know, being cute works in some situations with some mascots in some arenas. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, hey. Hey, if I would never wants say to join don't, in. don't hug a kid. Certainly, I'm not saying don't hug a kid, right? I always found right, no, Clutch, I, got you. I always found Clutch to be extremely uh, mischievous, but also fun-loving and energetic, and kids were king. Um, but you're right. The Coyote is a good uh, example of a character that, you know, would not have done certain things and would have been completely out of character and was a little bit more slapsticky. Uh, I hope the word corny doesn't come off as offensive, <laughs> <Yeah>. Rob. <laughs> but but um, bump. Yeah. that's well, just probably Rob doing that. <laughs> Rob, you want to jump in? You want to come up? If you're listening, give me a wave down there. So, yeah, I wanted to say also in in reference to your first comments there, Robert. How I like how you said you know when you do get the accolades. Uh, share, share those accolades with, with uh, the people that are, um, you know, don't, don't hog them. That's a, that's one thing I learned uh, too late in my career, but uh, at least I learned it. And John, you know, he's always talking about the people that, that are around him as well. So that's, that's a good thing. But, you know, I, I tell you what, my first, uh, one of my fir- very, very, very first skits like you, Robert was in college and I thought I could throw on some uh, some chains, and <laughs> this is this is pretty embarrassing. But I, you know, I I got some tire chains, that, and I put them over the front of me and over the back of me, and kind of tied them around my waist. And you know, so I had these chains down my chest and down my back, and I kind of dressed like Michael Jackson. And I went out there and did a uh, just danced around to uh, the way you make me feel, and. And I took like four minutes because that's a long song. And they, they were literally like, okay, let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I got to get out of here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought, hey, if I just dressed like Michael Jackson, everybody would just roar. And that was not it. But then later on, when I got into my professional career and early in my career, I found out that, man, that edgy is really good. And I actually, I got to give the credit to this one to uh, Tim Dirk where, you know, he was the, uh, the original coyote and he, he did this bit where 
Um, and, and I end up doing this too. I'll just explain what I did. I took it off of him, but it was a bit where I, um, I, uh, was out on the court and, uh, you know, I don't know, we go to a timeout and I, th- I, 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 it goes to the video or I bump into a referee. I bump into a referee and then it goes to the video because uh, the referee called a, you know, called a foul on me. I'm like, you can't call a foul on the, on the mascot. And now let's go to the video screen. We'll do the replay. Well, sure enough, in the replay, it's me just slamming into the referee in slow motion. And then, you know, it ends up to where I'm just, you know, beating the tar out of this thing, running a lawnmower over this, you know, dummy and um, just doing all these kind of, you know, crazy things to a dummy. I mean, ticking a chainsaw, you know, and uh, it, just crazy stuff. And then at the end, the uh, the announcer says, well, yeah, see, ref, that, that. I don't, I don't think I saw a foul there. And so it was funny, got a good laugh and everything, but uh, the, the next day or whatever, we got a comment from a lady. Somebody called in and said, hey, yeah, um, uh, you know, I'm never bringing my kids back to a game. That was terrible. The violence was just, you know, something I didn't expect, and we just – we won't ever come back. That was terrible. And uh, president of the company. Now, I just don't think there's a whole lot of this left in the world right here. But the president of the company actually called this lady and said, hey, sorry you had a bad experience. But I'll tell you what, your kids are going to see more violence on Saturday morning cartoons than they'll ever see in our arena. And I was like, "You, yeah. 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 So. Yeah, you can't buy that kind of support. uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh, that, that's something I just don't see anymore, you know? But um, but that, that, that was edgy. And I went, on to use, um, I went on to use that bit with a Boy Scout. Uh, I used it as a, uh, in a Girl Scout skit. Uh, unfortunately, that was crossing the line. But you can't do that to Girl Scouts. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Anybody want to jump in? Give me a raise of the hand there. Rob's still trying to figure out how to use this thing. Uh Uh-huh. I see Greg's in there. Ray? Um, I'll ask you a question while we're waiting for a hand. John and Ken, this is the both of you. And hold on one second. Girls, I said you had to watch Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse and stay in the room for an hour. Daddy's on a work call. Sorry. (laughs) We all grow up. (laughs) Um, What is the most edgy skit, in your opinion, that you've done, Ken? And what's the most edgy one you've done, John? Wow. Wow. I'll, well, I'll, 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 I'll put a caveat. What's the most edgy one that you've done that you didn't get in trouble for in any way, shape, or form? No complaints, no management saying don't do that again. And what's the most edgy one you've done that you caught holy hell for? So two. Um, mine was <coughs> years ago when Carl Malone left and he went to the Lakers and it was back when Kobe Bryant had that rape accusation against him. 
and I had a phone on the scores table and I was out dunking and I could hear the phone ringing and I'm looking around and I walk over and I pick up the phone and it was, we have a guy, his name is Chunga and he's a radio guy here, but he is spot on Carl Malone, spot on. And he sat there and, and he's like, you know, uh, talking to me about how he hates LA and nobody likes him and he wants to come back to Utah. And then right at the end, he goes, but it could be worse. I could be Kobe. And I got fined $15,000 for that one. <laughs> so that sucked. Did you and, have to pay uh, it? Yeah. I had to take Ouch. out a freaking second mortgage on my house. But uh, after a while, it was like another year later, they ended up paying me back half of it. Because they, they approved it. The but then all of a sudden, when the NBA league office came down on them, they denied it. I mean, I had four upper-level managers watching it, and all, all, only one of them, which was Grant Harrison, admitted that, yeah, we approved it, and the other three didn't. So, um, Wow. Other than that, uh, I don't know. I mean, define edgy. Uh, I don't know. Dropping... TVs out of helicopters seems pretty edgy to me. Why am I not? <laughs> I, you know, uh, and it might not have been edgy, but I, I remember delivering a cake one time. Actually, you know what was kind of it, it was kind of fun was uh, the beer man skit, where the we dump beer on the or the two fans dump beer on me, and then I went up with a bucket of water and threw water, and um, we didn't tell anybody. We just told the two security guards what was going on. And when it all took place, you can see cops run across the arena. One of them <laughs> slipped on water on the floor and, the, and the, right at the edge of the court and broke his taser. And it was like all these cops pushing these two guys out. And they were so into it. I mean, it, it was like scary. And then they got out in the hallway and uh, laughed. And the cops were like freaking out, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. But, yeah, it was, I, did, I only told two people. I think you got uh, some hands up there. Uh, yeah, you know what? Can you let them in? For some reason, I can't let them in. Um, let's see. <laughs> it says that Drake, Ray, and Rob all have their hands up, and I don't like either three of them, so no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm letting them in right now. There you go. They're all in. Can we hear you guys? Hello? There's Ray. Hey, Ray. Hey, Hello? Ray. Hello. Ray, Rob, and Drake. Why are you trying to keep us out? <laughs> <laughs> hey, does does Joel have his hand up too? Um, I don't. On my end, I don't see Joel's okay. hand. Okay. All right. That's all right. That's all right. So we're working our way through this. If he, oh, he okay, I see it now. Hold on. How do I let you? What do you say All about the guys not knowing technology? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ray, how you doing, man? What do you what do you got as far as go big or go home or cute as death? Yeah. Oh man, you know, I'm just I'm always cute. <laughs> That's how I last so long. You guys do all the dangerous stuff and, and deadly stuff that I can't get away with that. No, I probably could, but they might frown upon me a little bit more. But no, 
Um, I don't do that much edgy stuff. I mean, the edges might be. Um... But see, now that's how you. We, we, that's, now, that's, that's that we used to. Away. That, that's we used to um, the cute, embracing the cute. We used to have this horse, right? I used to get inside, and uh, so like the timeouts, play like this dippity doo music, you know, and I would gallop across the court or so, and then uh, I would just maybe go right by a ref and pull up the tail and uh, drop a couple of little. Nice ones out the rear end, as if you know what I'm saying, you know, and walk away, and then like you know have like a ball kid come and and sweep them up. So that, I mean, it was it was approved, but later on, you know, they're like you can't do that anymore. So I mean, that's about as edgy as, as I go, I think. So yeah, I you think know- you've actually embraced the whole, uh, you know, lovable. Cute. I don't want to say cute because you're not really cute. You're you're more like a lovable character, and with a lot of energy. And I think that's you know, hey, it, one of the things that I think we need to do, all of us as as individuals and as you know, especially as mascots and stuff, you know, embrace our, figure out what our superpowers are. Yeah. You know, honestly, what are our superpowers? What are we really good at? It's usually the stuff that we think is easy, but everything everybody else thinks is amazing, you know. And so, what are our superpowers? And and uh, you know, Ray, that's one of yours, man. Yeah, you know, Ray, that skit that you just talked about <clears throat> was yeah. actually the one that got me in the most trouble in my entire career. <laughs> um, so it worked for a while. I like a while, yeah. Honestly, I saw that skit and I thought it was the one of the funniest live skits I've ever seen because you know you just didn't see it coming. You had this, you know, William Tell Overture playing the you know the Lone Rangers theme song, and all of a sudden you pull up next to the ref and the Winnie and out drops the brown bean bags and then you gallop off. And I thought it was hysterical, but our owners. Uh, our owner was an animal rights activist, so I couldn't ride a horse. Oddly enough, the one thing that nobody would guess in that skit as being, you know, edgy was the horse riding. So I <laughs> yeah. still wanted to do that bit. And this is back when we had the inflatable costumes and they were starting to become more and more popular. So I just got four brown bean bags made. And when I'd go over and moon the other team by pulling down the pants and on the underwear, it would say, go Rockets. I would unzip. If you remember, our inflatables unzip from the bottom up, not the top down. And I'd unzip a little and I'd chuck a couple beanbags out into the other team's huddle. And, um, oh, man, I got skewered for that one. And I got it approved, but, like, Literally, 10, 15 years later in my career, that was the one bit that was always brought up as an example of letting a mascot, you know, leaving him to his own, uh, you know, devices and an example of bad judgment. <laughs> well, you know, that makes, a, that, uh, that makes a good point. Oh, by the way, hey, you guys, if you're not talking, will you please mute? Um, so... You know, that brings up a good point. 
it's like, where, where's that line? Where's that line with people? I mean, because you got to get, most people come into a mascot situation with a already preconceived notion that you're out of control, that it's all about you, that you're a loose cannon, uh, which you need to be. That's your job. It's what you do. But how do you get, you know, is it is it just consistency? Is it communication? What is it? I'd actually like to hear from Garrett on this one. Garrett, if you want to raise your hand, man, jump in. I think it, I think it's consistency. I think the only way that you're going to get your team to be able to trust you and respect your uh, uh, decisions on the court is to every night go out and, uh, you know, do a good job but not put the team in a bad light. Does that make sense? I mean, you can always go out and, and – get that one letter that, you know, the two letters, but, um, I think with all of us, um, we went out, we, you know, we did uh, a great job on the floor in the crowd and over time they'll learn to trust you. But if you go out and you start, you know, causing problems for the brand, eventually, yeah, they're, they're not going to let you make any of those decisions again. But, you know, I think we were all pretty fortunate that we were trusted enough to, you know, come up with a skit the day of and just say, you know, because I still remember a number of times. They're like, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I go play this song and we'll figure something out, you know, and they trusted me enough that they did it. Yeah, building that trust is is crazy. I, I think I'm always battling the sense of arrogance and confidence, you know. Like, I think I'm being confident, and I, I think it comes across as arrogant when, when, when I'm dealing with people in this situation. You know, no, hey, look, I really want to – this is like, okay, this is going to be bigger than life, you know, and it, it, this is going to bring the house down, you know. And they're always like, whoa, hey, rain it back in, and, you know, let's, let's – okay, let's, let's bring up all the hoops that you need to jump through, okay. All of a sudden, all the hoops come bop, 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 bop. And so I don't know. I, I, I think I'm always, I'm always battling that. Uh, it, and I'm hopefully trying not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying not to be always, <laughs> let me read, reword that. I'm always doing my best to not be arrogant. I want to be confident and humble, but gosh, I just always feel like they think it's just all about me and me trying to, do something crazy and just to get my own thrills or something. Can I chime in on this for a sec? You can. All right. Um, I was just going to say off of that, just to be as being a, a mascot, Rocky's mascot assistant for almost 10 years now, it, it happens almost, I don't know, every few games where it's like, Hey, Rocky has this idea. It's last minute. And he, he wants to do this real quick and it's, you know, but, they're like, no, do not send him. Do not send him. Do not let him do that. But he's always like, you know, I, he's, he's very confident in, in wanting to do it, but it's not like just cause he wants to steal the show or anything, but he thinks it'll be a great idea for the game and entertainment and all that. And so, you know, I'm told, no, don't send him. Don't send him. I tell him, don't send, him. you know, they say, don't go. And he goes and does it. And then afterwards they're like, I told you not to send him. 
but it worked out. So like 80% of the time it's like, Hey, it, he made the right decision. So can't get mad at you. You know, anyways. Yeah. Thanks for that input. I mean, a lot of times it's, it's, it's just going back to that trust thing. And I just think that later, you know, as that's that, that's that trying not to be arrogant type of thing. Like a, I'm, I'm going rogue. So, right. Milo had his hand up and I just activated him. Uh, Milo, what's up, brother? This, this is Milo and I've recently been activated <clears throat> to give you a little background. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really a nobody, but it is uh, good to be in here and see some familiar names. Uh, I'm 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 Ken's brother, and I've been hearing a lot of your names for a lot of years. So it's it's good to be in a room where, uh, like I said, I'm a little familiar, and I've been hearing about a lot of you guys for a long time, and and all that kind of stuff. So this is really cool. Um, my thought on the edgy thing is, I feel that it's. <clears throat> And not that I know anything about what I'm talking about here, uh, especially in the mascot world, but I, I do think it somewhat, uh, I think it's more philosophy about this. And I, I feel that edgy is important. I feel like, I almost feel like it's, uh, it's memorable. It's engaging for people to feel like they're in on like, uh, like an inside joke. You know, they're, they're the, like, it's important that everybody's entertained from all ages and there's, there's entertainment value for those who are young, but there's also entertainment value for those who are older without being, um, I'm losing the word, but kind of like non-classy or non-dignified or, or whatever. I, I think it's important though, for that, for maintaining entertainment value to keep an, somehow a balance of what's edgy and what's going too far and, and what's just playing it safe because it's like when you watch, and I haven't watched the Simpsons for years, but years ago when I used to watch the Simpsons, there was something there for everybody. The kids, my kids will tell me nowadays, Hey, now that I'm an adult, I'm watching the Simpsons. It's a whole different show. It's entertaining now on like a whole different level that I didn't even know was going on. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. That's what. That's why I enjoyed it when I was watching it with you guys, with, you know, as you guys were kids. And and they're like, oh, I had no clue that, you know, that was, you know, any of this was happening or whatever. Anyway, but that somehow they have mastered like, like, hey, like this is how we keep these people entertained at this level. This is how we keep people entertained at this way. And, and it. And as an adult, we can all sit here and watch it and feel like <laughs> I'm in on the joke. I know what they're talking about. And it engages us, makes us feel like we're a part of something. I, I, I think that's, I don't know, I think it's an underrated aspect of it. Um, I do some in my own business. In my own business, I'm a very much a small timer, but I do a live stream. And I, I have to keep it entertaining. I'm trying not to play it too safe. I want people to feel that we're real. And I also have to entrust my employees when they're on a live stream with me. And it, back to the trust thing here is that the trust thing, yes, it takes me a while before I feel okay just letting one of my people be on the live with me in the background. And But I don't want them to play it too safe. And I want a little, 
I want a little plausible deniability that I, you know, if they go too far or something, like I can always play it off like, oh, shame on you for going there, you know, or, or whatever. But at least they kind of pushed it a little bit. And I don't know. It's just I don't have that all like fully dialed in. I don't have this non-exact science for us. But I'm I'm as far as entertainment value goes during a live stream in my kitchen while we're at work. Um, I want that. I want, I want to be able to entertain them from all levels. And I got old people in there that I just say, hey, I tell people right off, Hey, my mom is in here. So everybody, uh, watch your language. Hey, especially you. And I'll point out somebody who's, of course they don't have bad language or whatever, but I'm trying to, to cater to, to all of them. But I do feel it's important. I feel the edginess factor is important in the entertainment in in entertainment value without obviously going too far, making somebody look completely bad. But uh, anyway, that's my thoughts on that. Great stuff, man. Go go ahead. Who is that? No, I was just saying I love that. That was made some great points. I, I do feel like being memorable, though. I do feel like. Like. I don't know. I feel like it's more engaging. I guess that's my point is, um, I, but I'm not that I'm saying anybody's method or strategy is wrong. I'm just saying like, uh, I just feel like it's those, it's those almost a little uncomfortable moments even that make things memorable or, you know, there is a fine line. I know that things, you can push things too far and you're, everybody's representing a company. We're all representing somebody. So you definitely, you know, there are fine lines and I don't know where all those lines are, but it is, it is, it's building trust and and pushing it to find those lines. But, uh, but I definitely think it's, uh, it's worth putting in the repertoire or something. If you're questioning something, it's like, Hey, figure out how to make it work anyway. Not, not to put them on the hot seat, but you just, Milo, you just said making it memorable and, and Rob Whitecall is probably most famous uh, for his TED talk, where that was the whole message and making uh, creating memories for people. Rob, do you want to add there? Oh yes, look, I figured out how to talk. I would love to add to that. Um, man, I don't know. You guys are saying a lot of things that make me think about the way I mascotted that I don't know that I even really thought about being cute versus being I'm just not John Apsey as Rob, right? Like I'm not, I don't think that way. I thought the coyote way and it was just natural to me. It just happened to work out for that crowd. Um, that I thought in a sweeter way I did, you know, like I remember I've been in costume with many of you guys and see you do stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, I would have never, like, I, re- <laughs> I, I remember being with Ken and he's in the crowd and he's working and he's making fart noise, like just little noises out of his mouth. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. I would have never thought to do that. Um, but I loved it. Uh, but what I did was equally memorable. Um, but in a just in a sweeter way, but it still created memories that was impactful. And that's the way I always looked at it. So there's impact. Um, 
you can drop a, you know, a TV out of a helicopter, there's impact, or you can make a, you know, do a military thing and make the military person the hero. It's impactful. It's just two different ways to attack, you know, two different means to the same end, which is creating a brand and building, you know, building a brand and creating impact every night. I just went at it totally different. Um, I don't consider Coyote cute, though. I wouldn't consider him cute. I just considered he took him. He was the brunt of the joke. That's all. So sometimes the jokes weren't uh, were a little rougher, but it was he took he he was the one who got beat up. He didn't beat somebody else up typically. Right. Um, So that was just the difference. I don't know. Thoughts. I'll shut up now. I don't think cute's the right word either, Rob. I think like silly slapstick is what comes to mind with me. Well, and I love your tagline or your, 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 whatever it is, your milieu. You're the coolest dork in the room. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. 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 And is that kind of your person? I mean, that's to me, that's your superpower. That's right? that's Rob as well, right? That's yeah. Rob as right. That's PBR that's man. That's PBR man. I'm an idiot, but people love <laughs> the idiocy in me, right? And that was Coyote too. He's a he's an idiot, but we love that idiot. He's our idiot. Rob, you got to explain to the group what PBR man is and how. Man. <laughs> funny that was that night i wish i had how, a photo of how that. well i have a photo <laughs> of it I, well i have a photo phone. but like i can't show it on clubhouse right now but yeah. um robert and i were doing two birthday parties in a row um <laughs> we did one and then you know like barely slept got on a plane and at the, the opposite airport, ends of the country it was sacramento yes. to orlando it, it was sacramento to orlando <laughs> And uh, so for this flight to Orlando at 8 a.m. or whatever it was, maybe earlier, we got a beer at the airport bar and we didn't stop drinking <laughs> that entire day. So it, took, it was a day of flight. We got there. Spencer picks us up. We go to dinner and then we went down to um, whatever they call their street, you know, that's closed off. Church Street. And we... Church Street, thank you. And we go to this bar that was so uh, cheap that you bought Pabst Blue Ribbon by the case. And they just brought it out in the case, in the cardboard case, and set it on your, you know, you just took it to your table and you opened the beers yourself. So it was a 12 pack. And so (laughs) it's a 12 pack. And I, for whatever reason, at this point in the evening, decided to put the 12 pack on my head and call myself PBR man. Or maybe you came up with PBR man. I don't remember, Robert. But I, I was entertaining I the whole bar to be a mascot. I think, <laughs> I I think that might have been what it was. Yeah, and I think I what it was the was entire I, bar. I started not talking for like a couple minutes, which everybody loved, uh, and I was just going to act out everything I was saying. And it was like you said, I can do that. I can be a mascot anywhere under any circumstances. And I said, Oh yeah. Here you go. Here's your new head. <laughs> and you, without missing a beat, took that sucker on, popped it on your head, and your eyeballs could see out of the two parts where your hand and your thumb hand go goes through to carry yes. it. 
And then you started and I hit the dance around floor. the place. Yeah. And being the coyote, basically, only with a, a card. I took that bar pack. over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, PBR, yes, that man. is love it. That is Rob. He is the, you know, he is the dork in the room, the coolest dork in the room. Um, but, but it, you know, even with that dorkness, like you, you took it to the next level. There were so many things that you did to take it, you know, and, and think outside the box. Part of your, part of your program was, you know, just the unexpected, unexpected, unexpected all the time because of your dorkiness. And, and that's what made it memorable. I mean, go back to what Milo said, yeah. you know, that's memorable. You know, I still remember a bit where you just, you know, kept like handing some celebrity, uh, was it, um, I don't know. You just kept, kept ten, uh, kept having Nike, Nike. Nike oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it so was like a Nike toaster not... and a Nike. Yeah. Nike weed eater. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was hysterical. <laughs> um, but so maybe it's not cute as death, but it's, being plain or being um what is the word you just used ken that i i kept people on their like i did the unexpected so doing the expected maybe is what death is because that's what will bring a crowd down right yeah um let me you know what is i i was in when i was in college and a mascot there one of the guys one of our leader guys one of our uh, advisor guys uh went to a conference and he came back and he said hey he goes, one thing, one quote that I picked up on was mask. People love mascots because they do what everybody wants to do, but can't. I think I said that to you drunk on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good conversation. Let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, but you know that I mean, I, I, okay. So I just get this. My character just got an award for best adult mascot. Have you ever heard of that? Best I saw that on Facebook. Mascot. Yeah, no, totally threw the baseball mascot under the under the bus, and was saying that you know they're lame, and the antithesis antithesis of that is. My character. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, Liam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. right? it's, a, it's a different audience. It, it is, right? It is. But in well, that situation, like Joel, hey, welcome, Joel. Joel. Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm so glad you jumped on here, man. It's been a long time since you and I have chatted. Yeah, but, well, uh, when you sent me the message, I had literally just woke up and I'm being on West Coast time. You told me I had about 10 minutes to jump on. So I, was doing the morning routine and after dropping a few kids off at the pool I was like all right let me I want to say something because I was laughing listening to Rob and you and Ray and everybody and I think I've been a little um, blessed in the fact that in the 20 something years I've been working that I've been working for both Major League Baseball and my side gig in the NBA and I I take that as a blessing because I just feel like you guys uh, as the NBA guys have always just put on such a bigger show that it was always fun for me to watch you guys or 
learn NBA style stuff and try to bring it over to Major League Baseball and kind of, you know, light a spark here and there. You know, we didn't have inflatables. You guys all had inflatables at one point. And then I think I was like one of the first guys to get an inflatable in Major League Baseball. And then you got our old guys like Tom Burgoyne, like, what the hell is this thing? What do you do with this? You know, what's this costume? But uh, professionally, it's just always been my pleasure to be in my own world in baseball, which, you know, can be considered a little more boring. But at the same time, get to take in so much from you guys who I just think the world of. I, Robert and I had a conversation, I don't know, pre-pandemic, where uh, I was I, I was unaware that he wasn't even doing clutch at this point, And I was singing his praises to him. And then he fired back a few nice compliments to me. And it just kind of took me by surprise because I just... I, I think the world of you guys and everything that you do and have always tried to emulate a little bit of that uh, NBA Showtime entertainment and drag it over to an inning break for a, you know, 13 inning baseball game. You go into extra innings and you, maybe I get like, you know, 90 seconds to do something fun because everything's sponsorship filled or whatever else these days. But it's just nice to be able to give a little extra and I, I feel like I can tip my cap to a lot of you guys for seeing you guys raise the bar for so many years so i personally for me to you guys thank you for always being the big brothers that you guys have been even though i'm one of the old guys too at this point well it goes both ways joel Um, yeah very kind appreciate that we got jennifer has had her hand up for a while and i just figured out how to let her in jennifer yes hello Hello. Hello. So this is Jennifer Ken's wife. I have a question. It's not for a particular other one of you guys that are mascots. Um, just, I guess, one in general, if people want to add. But so Ken had a very edgy slash memorable um, skit and experience, I think, for quite a few of us. A few years ago, he was being lowered in. And unfortunately, his jacket was zipped up all the way and he was choked out. So he Uh, It was put in an air choke accidentally for about 45 seconds until he um, made contact with the ground or whatever. And I remember uh, it was all. Thanks for bringing this up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've heard stories. I don't remember who it was. And if I did, I wouldn't say their name. I mean, somebody poops themselves during a game or during an appearance. So, I mean, they've all, we've all had experiences that I'm sure we don't want to relive or whatever, but, (laughs) but, um, so my question is, that actually went, I think, viral somewhat. It was all over YouTube. People were saying that he was scared or he was on drugs or drunk or whatever. You know, people, of course, are going to say whatever they're going to say. But um, but I remember he spoke with some mascot a couple of days later, and they were like, dude, did you plan that? That was genius because he got so much, I guess, um, media from it or news um, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for right now, but you know, <laughs> that was Rob. Oh, was it that, Rob? Oh, yeah. I that was Did you do that on purpose? That was why because he got, Yeah, because he got so much notoriety. So um, my question as a fan of all of you gentlemen <laughs> is, do you have a story in which you had a skit planned in which it went a little awry, but that at the same time you got a lot of notoriety from it and it kind of put you in the spotlight more um, than what you would have thought initially or something? That's a good question. Yeah, 
I, I did. don't really think I have anything like Ken's. Go ahead. Who said that one? Oh, yeah, Ray. I know what yours is. <laughs> yeah. Mine is, uh, you know, I do all those, the halftime show dunks. And so that's my only special. That's only, I'm not funny. I just dunk. <laughs> um, but I had a halftime show at a high school game. And normally what I do is, you know, I set up cheerleaders just on the side, just, you know, because I'll use them later on, you know, throughout the show. Well, this particular time, you know, I told them, you know, to stay into the side, but they end up coming next to the basket. And so, like, right from the beginning, the show was going a little off. So then my, my, my first dunk this year was to start with the flip dunk. So, like, you know, this show, I'm just coming in hard. Well, the first dunk, I did the flip, and the whole backboard shattered. And, you know, this is a high school game. And uh, that wasn't planned, but that went viral, you know, at the time. I think at the time, I think I text all you guys, like, uh, I think I just broke a backboard. <laughs> so that 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 was yeah, that was that huge. Was, that yeah. was huge. Yeah, I remember that. That was in like uh, 2008 or nine or something. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking, yeah, I, I, you know, we're probably going to have to, you know, close out soon here. But I wanted to bring on a couple people here real quick. Um, Gideon. Gideon has a story, uh, if I remember right, uh, about something breaking when he was a kid, talking about a memorable moment. Robert, can you I see I just if, invited uh, him to speak. Okay. Hello? Yeah, we can yeah. hear you. Hi, this is Gideon. What up, so, dog? Hey. So, yeah, so I was in uh, Denver at a game, and um, the mascot, Rocky, went up, did a dunk, and the mat wasn't uh, wasn't down or wasn't laid down. Wait, 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 wait. I know what you're going to say. I, the, the the story I was referring to was oh. when you told me this one time when you were up in the up in the stands and t-shirt gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's my favorite. So, <laughs> uh, so I was up in the stands trying to get a t-shirt and the mascot Rocky shot it way up and it hit the, the those neon lights. And uh, they pretty much like it was like in a little explosion, and everybody was crowded around, running away from the glass and everything. And the T-shirt rolled right down to me, and I grabbed it and <laughs> ran right back down to my row, got in my seat, and uh, a bunch of the I don't know what they're called, like security or whatever. They came, you know, they were coming down and making sure everybody was all right, cleaning up all the glass, and but. Uh, but yeah, I still ha- I actually still have that T-shirt <laughs> hidden away in a box. That's a pretty good souvenir. Yeah, uh, you know, Jennifer, <laughs> when you first asked the question, nothing came to mind uh, because a lot of mine happened before social media and things went viral. But mm-hmm. I've had several that ended up in the paper. Uh, a lot of the guys know the story where I got knocked over while shooting. 
the uh, T-shirt gun that we affectionately called the BFG, which obviously stood for big fucking gun. And we could only shoot it to the upper level, but I got knocked over and I was 20 feet from the huddle and the T-shirt went right into the huddle and hit our starting forward in the chest and put him out of the game. Um, that ended up in the paper the next day. One time we were doing a skit against the Charlotte Hornets where I stole the costume idea from the Spurs. I think it was Rob or, or uh, not sure if it was Tim, but where I dressed like a raid can, a can of raid. And we were going to kill the Hornets. And I had somebody in a bee costume and a Hornets jersey running around to the flight of the Bumblebee. And I came out to the Superman theme song halfway through flight of the Bumblebee and a uh, CO2 fire extinguisher and sprayed them down. And they played dead and fell down. And then my assistants came out dressed as two exterminators in gray overalls or, or jumpsuits. And, uh, you know, put her in the trash can. It was actually a girl that was the mascot at U of H at the time, put her in the, the B in the trash can upside down and the crowd was roaring. And I said, Oh yeah, you like that? Well, here's some more and sprayed it into the can and they roared and I did it again. And I'm not thinking we get in the back, the girl's passed out, her lips are blue and she's unconscious because CO2 is pure carbon dioxide. And spray it in the air and it's going to dissipate like that but spray it into the bottom of a, a, a big trash can where somebody's in a costume upside down and that's all they're inhaling uh, that ended up in the paper the next day so there's been a few royal screw-ups uh, thank god none of them were in the era of social media <laughs> he would have been you would have been done. Uh, yeah, burned, I would have been done at the stake, but that was wow, that was great, man. You know, I, I have one thing to add about what we were talking about earlier. So much of this concept of being edgy and where to push and where not to push depends, at least in my opinion, about the team and the, the CEO. Uh, I got in my career to see a very stark contrast where I had the same CEO for the first 10 years and then a completely different CEO the second 10 years. And the first CEO was kind of hands off, very much believed in branding, marketing, experience building, and knew there would be some collateral damage occasionally that was acceptable. Uh, the second one was a salesman, bottom line did not look at the mascot as a value center, looked at the mascot as a cost center, and any kind of problems were, you know, horrific. Uh, and also was a much more control person. So really wanted to approve everything in advance and hated the concept of improv and, you know, doing things on the fly, which a mascot often does, even within a planned skit. Um, and, you know, that was completely, you know, night and day as, as far as my career, the first half and the second half. So a lot of it depends on who's at the top and their degree of wanting control over it uh, and whether they're a brand builder marketer or whether they're a, you know, cost cutter, bottom line salesman. The other thing was the advent of the video board. Um, the video board came right in where it was free throw line to free throw line. And totally facilitated uh, our new CEOs, you know, wanting to approve everything. Uh, and a lot of things shifted from live content on the floor to 
you know, pre-produced video stuff that he could look at a day or two in advance and say yes or no or change this. Um, and all of a sudden, I used to have two timeouts every game where I did two skits a game, and I went to having, like, four a season. Um, so a lot of it, and it was because the video department used to be an offshoot of the uh, game ops department. It was now put over the game ops department. So the show became about the video board. And then, you know, the game ops director was the head of the video department and all the other things, the dancers, the mascot, you know, the PA were answered to that. So it's a complicated business and it, it really is team to team in how it unfolds. Thoughts from the group? Uh, just a quick one. Um, I could totally relate to what you were saying about getting two skits a game and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe for a year, uh, something where, uh, you know, all these new sponsors came up where it seems like, you know, you go to an all-star game now and like the following pitch was sponsored by, hey, that ball scratch was sponsored by, hey, this, you know, spit on the ground is sponsored by. Like, it, it used to be you had so much leeway to do so many fun things. <laughs> And now it's just, hey, you know, run it up the board. Maybe get like one skit a homestand as opposed to two or three a game. And it's, as a performer, super frustrating. But sorry, that just totally resonated with me when you said that. Yeah, no, those are great comments. Absolutely. Sponsorship was a big part of it that ate up the inventory. You know, Ken and I talked on Tuesday and, you know, back in our glory days, it used to just be not even a skit at times. It used to just be turn on the music and send Rocky out, turn on the music and send clutch out. And the timeout consisted of me screwing with people courtside, throwing their shoes out onto the middle of the court, making them go get them, you know, putting them on the spot, messing with people. Uh, and then sponsorships and everything really shifted revenue pressures won out over experienced drivers. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> no, I, I, the shift has been, you know, obviously less entertainment, more sponsor, quote, entertainment. <laughs> they, but, you know, hey, uh, hey, Greg, Greg, are you on? Do you want to do you want to say anything, Greg? Can you still hear me? I enabled him and invited him to speak several times, but uh, I don't know that it was ever accepted. Okay, no, that's all good. In fact, he just took off. Garrett's hand up. Garrett? Greg might just be listening in. Okay, yeah, no, it's all good. He did did say that he he was going to try and join in, but uh, had some other things going on. Garrett's hand's up. And Jennifer's hand's up. Or no, no, wait, Jennifer. Nope, she has a party thing. Yay. Um, um, well, hey, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to uh, kind of wrap this up here because it's been an hour, but I love this, man. I, I, I heard a quote the other day I want to share with everybody that, hey, when you think you have a dream, dream bigger. Mic drop. You know, I'm always saying, "Hey, let's let's." When I when I'm in a meeting, and I, and they're like, "Well, so what do you got?" I'm always like, "Hey, elephants, let's let's 
It's bringing some elephants. And, you know, that sometimes I'll say it, sometimes I won't, but it's that's the first thing I think of is let's go. How, how big can we go? You know, how big is this uh, opportunity? How, how can we, you know, if we're going to go to the moon, let's go to Mars, you know, or hey, let's go past Mars. What's, what's past Mars? It's a good point, Kenny. You're ain't it. Sorry. In my Just picked up some bands. Come and come again. Come again. They do what I do. I'm like Simon says. Yeah. I'm the running man. Rapping rubber bands. Rubber bands. They do what I do. I'm like Simon says. They do what I do. I'm like Simon says.